Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club. That's getinthefight.club and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight. So let's go. What's that for? What does that do? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever wondered that, looked at something and thought, what is that for? I wonder what that thing does. I was driving the other day with my daughter, my youngest of four, and typically she doesn't get to ride in the front seat. She's not tall enough. And so in Michigan, the law is based on not your age, but on your height for safety purposes. So our youngest hasn't been able to ride with us and um, she's starting to get tall enough where I think, okay, you know, I'm going to let her, let her do this. And she was super pumped. It was just her and I. So we're riding down the road and, you know, she's fired up for a few reasons. One of them mostly was that it's cold here in Michigan during the winter and she's able to turn on the seat warmer and warm her. And she thought that was pretty awesome. But beyond that, she also thought it was pretty cool to go through my glove box. And, you know, if you haven't been in your glove box in a while, you probably should check it out because chances are there's a bunch of stuff in there that you didn't even know was in there. And that was kind of the case for me. I didn't know what was in there, but she'd said, hey, can I go through this? And yeah, I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's see what's in there. So it was interesting because she is going through this and she's pulling out stuff and she kept saying like, hey, what's this? What's this for? What is this for? What is this? How does this work? Or whatever. You know, and there was things like there's a, a little red packet that I have in there for our registration and insurance, things like that. There was a bottle of supplements in there. There was just random paperwork. There's straws, of course. I think there's Chick-fil-A, of course, you know, uh, and stuff like that in there. So, uh, you know, there's all these random things that she's pulling it out and things that she didn't recognize. She was just saying, you know, what is this? Well, there was one piece. And obviously, if you're just listening to the podcast, you won't be able to see this. But if you're on the YouTube channel, then you can kind of see this here. And I'll hold this differently. But there was this baggie here. So there's, I'm holding up this little ziploc bag and inside it there's this plastic part of some kind and she was asking me what this is she's like what is this thing what is this for and i didn't know and actually was i as i started looking further into it and looking at some of the paperwork and things i saw that actually what it is was a piece from the rear view camera in the truck so there was some work done on the truck and this was one of the pieces I think it's a piece anyways to make sure that the rear view camera works correctly. So what's interesting is it led me to thinking about this conversation that we're wrestling with today is what is a man for? You know, when I'm thinking about this question, what is a man for? It makes me think of this part that I was just holding up and showing you in the Ziploc bag. There's many times that we look at something and we just say, I don't know what this is for. What exactly is this for? And if we don't know the answer to that question, in particular today for Christian men, 
if we don't know what the answer is in terms of what a man is for, then how can we know what we're here for, right? If we don't know what the purpose is of being a man, why did God make us the way that he did? Why did God create us? What is our purpose for being here? Then we're going to struggle to live out a, a life of meaning and purpose because we don't even know why we're here. We don't even know what we're designed to do. It's a lot like that part in that plastic bag. If I don't know what it's designed for, if I couldn't connect the pieces to figure out where it goes, then I probably just set it aside and never worry about it or use it you know, according to how it's made. But now that I know it's a part of this rear view you know, camera piece or whatever it is, now that I know that, then it's a lot easier for me to go, okay, I see what it's for. I see the design here and somebody knows exactly what this part was made for. When it comes to us as Christian men, we believe that God has made us and made us with great purpose and dignity and value. And again, whether you're a Christian listening to this or whether you're a man or not listening to this, I think it's helpful for all of us, no matter who you are, to ask this question, what am I here for? And what am I designed to do exactly? What is a man for is the question we're wrestling with today. In his book, John Eldridge says that we are made for three things. And I want to start with that first one here. So I'm going to go to the book and read a little bit to, to you here. Why does God create Adam? What is a man for? If you know what something is designed to do, then you know its purpose in life. A retriever loves the water. A lion loves the hunt. A hawk loves to soar. It's what they're made for. Desire reveals design. And design reveals destiny. In the case of human beings, our design is also revealed by our desires. Let's take adventure. Adam and all his sons are after him are given an incredible mission. Rule and subdue, be fruitful and multiply. Here is the earth that Adam inherited. Explore it, cultivate it, care for it. It is your kingdom, God said. Whoa, talk about an invitation. This is permission to do a heck of a lot more than just cross a street. It's a charter to find the equator. It's a commission to build Camelot. Only Eden is a garden at that point. Everything else is wild, so far as we know. No river has been charted, no ocean has been crossed, no mountain has been climbed. No one's discovered the molecule yet, or even fuel injection or Beethoven's fifth. It's a blank page waiting to be written, a canvas waiting to be painted. Most men think they are simply here on earth to kill time, and it's killing them. But the truth is precisely the opposite. The secret longing of your heart, whether it's to build a boat and sail it, to write a symphony and play it, to plant a field and care for it, those are the things that you were made to do. That's what you're here for, to explore, build, conquer. You don't have to tell a boy to do those things for the simple reason that it's his purpose. But it's going to take risk and danger. And there's the catch. Are we willing to live with the level of risk that God invites us to? Something inside of us hesitates. I love what John is saying here so much. Part of this design, he says, is three different things. And the first one that we covered there is adventure. Think about when Adam comes into the world, and again, he lays it out for us that there's no map, there's no clearing of trees, there's nothing. Everything is this blank, wide-open canvas for Adam to explore and to conquer and to rule over. God gives him this mandate to rule and to do this through this adventure of discovery and finding things out and exploring new things all the time. 
And so inherent in our lives as men is this desire for adventure. That's one of those things. He's also made for a fight. Listen further as I go back to the book and read a little bit more. Let's take another desire. Why does a man long for a battle to fight? That's number two. The first is adventure. The second one is a man longs for a battle to fight. Why does he long for a battle to fight? Because when we enter the story in Genesis, we step into a world at war. The lines have already been drawn. Evil is waiting to make its next move. Somewhere back in Eden, in the mystery of eternity past, there was a coup, a rebellion, an assassination attempt. Lucifer, the prince of angels, the captain of the guard, rebelled against the Trinity. He tried to take the throne of heaven by force, assisted by a third of the angelic army in whom he instilled his own malice. They failed and were hurled from the presence of the Trinity, but they were not destroyed and the battle is not over. God now has an enemy and so do we. Man is not born into a sitcom or a soap opera. He's born into a world at war. This is not home improvement. It's saving Private Ryan. There will be many, many battles to fight on many different battlefields. I love that. When you read that, it's not hard, I don't think, for any of us to understand that there is a battle in this war for the kingdom of God. There is a battle for hearts and minds and souls. And it's super easy today in our world, I think, to see the struggle between good and evil. It's just rearing its ugly head And it feels like every day gets darker and darker. There's this battle that's been raging since the coup, the rebellion in heaven where the devil and all of his cronies are thrown down. And now God has an enemy, John says, and so do we. My family just watched recently, probably not everybody, maybe not our youngest, but our family watched Saving Private Ryan. And I try to show our kids, even though some of it's just gory and they didn't see most of it because they covered their face for most of this movie. But I tried to show them different movies of what people have gone through and fought for, for this country that we live in. And I want them to respect the flag and I want them to respect what God has done in this country. And I want them to love what our military men and women do to sacrifice for us. So we watch movies like that fairly often. Well, I had forgotten just how gory and bloody and violent the opening scene in particular is when they get to d-day and they're at france and the fighting begins and when you see that movie and when you think of this battle and what men are designed to do and you see what our young men at that time did when the odds were so stacked against them they literally land on the beaches and are just getting mowed down. It's a terrible scene to watch. I have so much admiration for the men who fought on D-Day and went through that. And in a similar way, as I think about that scene there, and I think about what John is saying here in the book, that many of us men really don't even know that there's a war like that going on, a spiritual war going on for the hearts and souls, not just of men, but of people that the enemy is like that German army who was in this advantaged point and just wiping people out. And it took so much courage, so much bravery for the men to fight through that tragic day and and to still win. And they did. And so we celebrate D-Day and we look back at that 
for the accomplishment, for the bravery, for the manhood that it took to do that. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us. And it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. And again, in a similar way, when we're connecting the dots here, and we're asking this question today, do you know what you're here for? Do you know what it means to be a man? Not only is there an adventure to be had that God made us for that, but he's also made us for a fight. And because our king is in a fight, now we as his subjects are in a fight for his honor, for his glory, and for his kingdom. The third thing that we look at here that John says is that we were made for a beauty to rescue. Going back to the book, John says, and finally, why does Adam long for a beauty to rescue? Because there's an Eve. He is going to need her and she is going to need him. When you think about the love songs that are written and you think about your own life and your pursuit of finding a wife, or maybe you're still in that pursuit, depending on your age and stage of life, there is something deep within a man that longs to be able to woo and win over a woman's heart. And we were created that way because God created Eve in the garden to be this helper. A lot of translations probably more accurately say a lifesaver. The helper part wasn't just like, you know, I'm helping you out in this general way. God made this complimentary woman to be there for a man as a lifesaver. She brings something to the table, the, the, the characteristics of God in the feminine role to a man in a way that we need so desperately. And so God then gives us as men this deep desire to win over and to rescue and protect and to serve and to die for a woman and to rescue a woman. Now, again, there's always caveats to that. This is in general. There are certainly some men that are called to singleness and God in the New Testament clearly celebrates that and says that it's maybe even a better role because you're attention is undivided. And so your service to God is fuller than a man who has to take care of a woman. But God makes most of us men to be in pursuit of this rescuing of a beauty. And so to recap what John is saying here, and I agree so much, and I feel this so deeply in my own story, is that the question that men wrestle with so often or should wrestle with more is, what am I here for? What is this about? What has God gifted and given to me that was meaningful and purposeful for this world and for my life. And three things that John said, adventure, a fight, and a beauty. But we look at this and we can look back at our childhood and think about the forts that we made and how we turned everything into a gun. I probably still do. I, have, I was practicing my guitar for church the, just this morning. And it looks like it could be easily turned into a bazooka. So I, you know, I picked up my guitar case and I'm holding it and pretending like I'm shooting. I'm 46 years old. I still turn things into guns, right? Like as a man, we have this just innate desire for adventure and a fight and a longing to win over the heart of a woman. And those are all good things. But you know what? Most of us don't know as men what we're really here for still. We might recognize these longings and desires, but we don't know what to do with it. And so there's a couple things that, that ends up happening here. And I want to go back to the book here 
to share with you what these things are, because I think that if we can get a handle on this question, what are we here for? And we can start to discover maybe where we're going off course. I think it can bring us back to the center to start to be the men that God made us to be. So going back to the book here, John says, let me ask you a question. Where is Adam? While the serpent is tempting Eve, where is he? Oh, I know. He's standing right there. She also gave some to her husband, Genesis 3, 6 says, who was with her. Then he ate it too. The Hebrew for with her means right there, elbow to elbow. Adam isn't away in some other part of the forest. He has no alibi. He is standing right there watching the whole thing unravel. What does he do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He says not a word. He doesn't even lift a finger. He won't risk. He won't fight. And he won't rescue Eve. Our first father, the real first man, gave in to paralysis. He denied his very nature and he went passive. And every man after him, every son of Adam, carries in his heart now the same failure. Every man repeats the sin of Adam every single day. We won't risk, we won't fight, and we won't rescue Eve. We truly are a chip off the old block. <laughs> if you've never thought about that story, this is worth considering. In the garden, when everything falls apart, when literally the fall of man happens, it's the fall of a man who went passive. And if you've never thought about that story, just try to picture this. Eve is there being tempted. And a lot of times I think I have pictured this, like John mentions here, I think that I've pictured this, that Eve is off on her own maybe, that she is distracted or just wandering, whatever it is. She comes face to face with the temptation and the serpent says, did God really say that? Right? He goes through this whole thing. I've always pictured it that maybe the man, Adam, was somewhere different. And he comes up like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You're screwing this up. No, that's not what happens. Scripture says, in essence, he is right there, elbow to elbow, and does nothing. So think about this. We're asking, what is a man and what is he made for? Well, one of those things that he's made for is to protect and provide for his wife, his new lifesaver that he is there to protect and provide and to lead. And guess what he does? He doesn't lead. He doesn't take his God-given responsibility or role seriously. And he lets her do that by not stepping between it, by not leading and saying, no, 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 get away. He doesn't do his job. And instead he goes passive. So where do we see this in our own lives? All over the place. Passive men who are not playing their role. What do passive men do? Well, passive men end up shooting for a Christianity that just looks nice. You have lots of nice guys. In fact, if you look around at, at church and you kind of look at who are the men that stand out as maybe, you know, the go-to guys, the, the guys that we ought to emulate possibly, they tend to be these just super nice, kind, gentle dudes. And, and again, that sounds like I'm saying we shouldn't be those things. I think we ought to be some of that for sure. Like you don't want to follow a jerk. You don't want to follow a guy that isn't kind. So you have to understand kind of where we're going here. This isn't to say that those things are bad per se. But what's happened is a lot of times we have given up our role to lead, to have a voice, to fight for something that needs to be fought for, to step in the middle of something that needs stepped in the middle of. 
to take our role as men and do it in the church setting, you know, throughout the week and on Sunday mornings, we have gone passive across the board. Marriages where men are afraid to stand up to their wives and lead their homes. And so the wife leads the home and then it looks so backwards because he's not doing his job. Like, yeah, you're in this together, but you're the head. You're the leader of the home. Are you leading? Most of the time we're not. We're kind of saying like, I'm busy, I'm providing, I'm the bread earner. So my wife now does these things, I do these. And we say that as if that's just like a normal good thing, but maybe in some ways, maybe we're really just passive, wimpy, nice guys. It was the sin of Adam and we're kind of a chip off the old block like John says. Another thing is we, we don't just become passive, but we also, John says, become posers. Going back to the book here, he says, Adam knows that he's blown it, that something has gone wrong within him, that he's no longer what he was meant to be. I think a lot of us are that way too, right, guys? I think many of us men know that there's more to this. We don't know how to answer that question about why we're here or what we're made for, though. So we just become passive. Or as he says here, as he goes on in the book, Adam doesn't just make a bad decision. He gives away something that's essential to his nature. Adam is marred now. His strength is fallen and he knows it. Then what happens? Well, Adam hides. Genesis 3.10 says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You don't need a course in psychology to understand men. Understand that verse. Let its, let its implications sink in and the men around you will suddenly come into focus. We are hiding, every last one of us men, well aware that we too are not what we were meant to be, desperately afraid of exposure, terrified of being seen for what we are and for what we are not. We have run off into the bushes. We hide in our office, at the gym, behind the newspaper, and mostly behind our personality. Most of what you encounter when you face a man is a facade, an elaborate fig leaf, a brilliant disguise. On the next page, he says, truth be told, most of us are faking our way through life. We pick only those battles we are sure to win, only those adventures we are sure to handle, and only those beauties we are sure that we can rescue. <laughs> John is like so right in this. We either become passive or we become posers. We become fake. We are the guys that smile and nod and do nice things. We are nice guys that have nice homes. We're kind. We're never angry. We're never upset. Everything's always good. That's what we portray. And inside, we're just slowly dying. Inside, we were these young kids, these young men growing up, looking for adventure, looking for fights to take on, trying to win the heart of a woman, and then slowly but surely, time creeps in and we fade away. We slow it down, or as we say in this ministry, we get out of the fight. This is what happens to us. We're either posing and faking our way through everything, or we are passive and gentle and, and just on the sidelines of life. So there's a lot that's going on here, but he's totally right. We're hiding and we're faking our way through it. There's a couple of things that I, I think happens here and things that I think we need to understand. 
number one is when this is going on, where do we run to? Well, a lot of times what we're running to is achievement. And I know I can personally attest to this one. I feel like this one is true. I love being productive. I love being at the end of the day and say, man, I got a lot done. Now, is that a bad thing? No. But is there maybe more going on inside my heart that I've never taken the time to be introspective about? I mean, think about the messages of what you see when you think of like, I don't know, TikTok or Instagram or commercials or whatever it is. It's everywhere you go. Everywhere you look, there's a message for what it means to be a man. And it is achievement. It's based in achievement. So we hear things like grind, go harder, win at all costs, show you're the best, never stop moving, push the envelope, grind harder, all this kind of stuff. Like if you want to be a man in the world's eyes, that's what you're going to do. And it fits perfectly with what the devil's trying to do to us. Because we don't know what a man is for, because we don't know how to answer that question, we go passive, we go poser, faker, and we start chasing achievement everywhere we go. If only I can climb the corporate ladder, then I'm going to feel like I'm satisfying that deep desire to be a man because I'm not sure how to answer it. So maybe achievement will do it. Maybe getting the promotion will do it or having a title of some kind will do it. Maybe driving a bigger truck, maybe having a bigger home or having a bigger bank account. Or if you're in a locker room, every guy out there is going to just see if you have a bigger, you know what? than the guy next to you. And in all of these things, guys are saying, as long as it's bigger and I'm pushing forward and I'm grinding and I'm winning at all costs, then I'm achieving the goal of what it means to be a man. That's the thing. We don't even slow down to do it. Some guys are just so busy. I know guys that are so busy, they're always doing a project at home. They never slow down. They don't ever even probably consider why they're always fixing something at the house or why they're always in the garage working on the car. We're just trying to figure out this ache in our heart for like, what makes this life worth it? What am I here for? But the reality is, I think if we're honest about this, we're really just kind of fearful. John says in a different part of the book, and I think he's right, that the number one fear that men really have deep inside, if they were really able to be introspective, is that they're afraid of being exposed, afraid of people not thinking that we're man enough. We're afraid of uh, being exposed as a fraud. And so again, we try to chase achievement or we just back out as passive wimpy dudes. This happens over and over. You know, we're so trying to fill this gap in our heart and don't know how because we never wrestle through the big question of what are we here for? What am I made to do? What am I designed for? Because we don't know that, we chase other stuff or we get out of the fight completely. We're, in a lot of ways, fearful, cowardly people when we do this. Why? Because when we don't live out the way that God has made us, when we don't become the men that God meant for us to be, which is our whole mission statement and motto to help men do that, when we're not in the fight for that, it's fear that drives us and cowardice that drives us. Cowardice shows up in weird ways, because I don't think most of you would say, that you're a coward. And I would certainly never call somebody a coward to their face anyways. But I've watched men cower in the face of danger, cower in the face of taking on a hard conversation. They cower in fear when they have to leave their home, but it's easier to run to the garage. It's cowardly 
when we don't play our role and we look at the sin of Adam and we're just carrying it on. It's the same sin that he had in the garden. He was a coward. He didn't take on the serpent. He didn't step in. He was probably afraid he would get bit. Maybe he'd been bit by one before and he thought, I'm not going to step in there. So he let his wife take it. That is cowardice and that is fear. And it shows up in ways that we don't even really think about. So where do we go from here? I mean, what do we do about this? How do we recover? Two quick things. Number one is I want you to think about your desires. What are the things in your life that, that you desire and really just enjoy? Things that really speak to you in your heart as a man. John had said earlier in the book that desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. So if we want to figure out what is a man for, and in particular, what are you here for? What am I here for? One of the good starting points for us is to look at our desires. So here's what I want you to think about. Think about, maybe even list, what are your top favorite movies? And what do those reveal to you? In surveys, I have seen that like you know the top movies that men list, things like Saving Private Ryan, things like Rocky, things war movies in particular, American Sniper, Navy SEAL type stuff. I mean, when you think of movies that move you, it's these old Westerns for, for some guys, depending on your generation. But there's something that is an adventure. There's a fight that goes on. The odds are against you. And, and we have a desire deep within us to still be that man. But we have squashed it for so long. We, we have these desires. We just don't know how to put them in the right direction. So we turn to sports, we turn to porn, we turn to money, whatever it is, all these false gods, all these things that are not what it's about. We just don't even know how to recognize it as being in the way of what's real. So think about the things that you desire and, and wonder, like, what do these reveal to me? What are these movies and these desires? Like, think about things that you love to do as a man. Maybe, you know, it's hunting, maybe it's working on cars, maybe it's serving your neighbor in different ways, whatever it is. There's something that you do that makes you feel good about being a man. What are those things? What are those movies and shows? And what do they reveal to you? Take some time to think through that. The second thing that I would say is just be honest. We need to be honest about the fact that we're afraid. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. The truth will set you free. So we have to be honest and truthful about this to say as men, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of taking a risk. I'm afraid of leading devotions in my home because what if my wife doesn't support it? What if I get rejected if I do this? We're afraid of being bit by that serpent again. And so we get out of the fight. We move to the sideline. We just say, you know what? I'm going to pay the bills, provide, be as nice and kind as I can. And then slowly we just die inside. And so... We have to be honest about that. If you resonate with this today and you know as a man that God has designed you for more than you're living out, be honest about that and just say, God, I am struggling to be the man that I know I want to be, that I know you want me to be, and I need your help. I think God loves that prayer. I think he loves that honesty. He already knows it. He's the maker. He's the one that knows how he made you. And this isn't about bigger muscles and you know, being macho or showing bravado, none of that is about that. 
it is literally just about being more of the man that God meant for you to be. And that is a man that's pursuing adventure and getting back in the fight, getting back into that rescuing the beauty and playing the role that God meant for you to play. So we need to look at our desires to see how they connect to our design. And we need to be honest and pray to God for help through that honesty. You know, in this ministry here, geared towards Christian men, we are simply saying, recognize this battle. Recognize that, again, you're not in a home improvement scene. You're in the scene of Saving Private Ryan, and there is blood and gore and violence everywhere. You may not think that. You may not see that, but it's happening. It's true. It's a violence against your heart. And if you're on the sideline, the devil's okay. He's got you pinned down with enemy fire and you're not moving. He's okay with that. But you're not because you're stuck. And you may not even know it, but we're just praying for you in this ministry that you would understand that, that you would recognize the battle that is taking place and that you would get in the fight. What are we fighting for here? We say, and we pray through four things in particular every day I get in the fight. We pray that God would make us men of honor, that we would have integrity in our private and public life, that we would keep our commitments. It takes a man to do that. God's made you to be a man that can do that. We pray that God would make us a man of discipline, men that do the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing every time. That's what Adam didn't do. It's what we often don't do, and we need it so badly. So we pray that God would make us men of discipline every day. We ask God to make us men of strength every day, physical strength, spiritual strength, mental strength, emotional strength, relational strength, but not just for our sake. Being a man isn't just that you would be stronger and that your life is better. God put you here and made you stronger in certain ways so that you can serve his kingdom and other people. That's what it's about. So as you get in the fight, as you get stronger, you're able to bring other brothers up. You're able to get back into your church and serve like you should be. You're able to go back into your parenting and do the things you're supposed to as dad that only a dad can do. All of these different things. So we're asking God to give us strength so that we can use that for your kingdom and to serve others. We're asking God to give us joy. It will not always be a happy ride. In fact, in Saving Private Ryan, in the fight, the last thing you're doing often is laughing. The last thing you're doing often is having a good time. But the reality of this battle is that for the joy set before us of becoming a man that our hearts are dying to be, for the joy set before us, just like Christ had that joy on the cross, he did not enjoy it. He did not want to, as a man, go through that. But you know what he did? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so for us as well, we are not going to win every battle. We are not going to have great days every day. It is going to be the hardest fight of your life to get back to being the man that God made you to be. But there's a joy and a deep contentment for living out our design and purpose. You know, if God made you like this part that I'm showing you here again, he made you a specific part for a specific reason. And if you're not doing the thing that you were made to do, that you were designed to do, you will never be fulfilled. It'll never come through achievement. It'll never come through chasing women. It'll never come through any other illegitimate means. So we have to get back into the fight. We have to get real and truthful about the fact that God has made us to pursue this adventure and this fight and this rescuing of a beauty. And if we get in line with that, if we fight for those things, 
our lives will be enriched. If not in this life, then in the one to come. And that will be forever and ever and ever. Amen. So my last suggestion to you here is recognize that this is the fight of your life and recognize, men, that you can't do this on your own. Please don't try. You are not strong enough to do this. You are not made to do this on your own. Number one, you have to fight with all of Christ's strength. That's, that's the answer. You can't, but he can. You're not strong enough, but he is. But he also made us to sharpen one another. And so you need a group of men. We have something here called the Fight Club and encourage you to check it out. But you need to have brothers somewhere. And some of you don't need the Fight Club or don't want it, no problem. But who are you fighting for and who are you fighting with? That's key. That's key to you getting in the fight and being the man that you were made to be. So we're praying for you. Get in the fight and have a great day. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.